being the outsider can be tough. Now, many of you know that I grew up here, uh, grew up in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Some of you think that I was born here, but I actually was not born here. I was born in the metropolis of Lenore, North Carolina, just 30 minutes down the mountain. Um, And I came into this world um, a little unorthodox because my mother was on the way to the hospital and I was birthed in the back seat of my grandmother's car at a red light. And I tell folks that because I'm the only one in my family with red hair, that was the first light that beamed on my head, and therefore, there you have it, red hair. But I was born in Lenore, North Carolina. I lived there, I went to school through the fifth grade, and then my family, my father, remarried, and we moved up here uh, to Blowing Rock, and I was entering into the sixth grade at Blowing Rock Elementary School. Um, As you can imagine, being the new kid in school can be a challenge. All the friend groups had already been established, and I was the new kid that no one knew. Now, some of my classmates were nice, and they welcomed me, but others treated me as an outsider. So I was picked on by some in my grade, and even by others who were older than me. You see, just having red hair can make you different enough that others feel the need to pick on you. And I felt like I didn't fit in. I didn't have the members-only jacket. And if you know what I'm talking about, then you know exactly how dated we are. I did not have that jacket. I didn't wear all the same brand jeans and shoes that were trendy at the time. And so having the wrong clothes made me stand out even more. And I have to tell you that sometimes kids can just be mean. All I wanted to do as the new kid was to fit in. But there were barriers to that in the beginning. Thankfully, over time, things began to change. And I was fortunate to develop two really strong friendships from middle school that have lasted to this day. Now, it didn't just happen when I was young and in school. I also experienced something very similar to this even when I got out of high school and went off to college. Now, I went to a small school in Montreat, North Carolina, known as Montreat College. Um, and we're talking about 450 students, so one of the smallest schools in the entire state. And uh, as I went to school there, uh, I, I went there with the intention of playing basketball, which is kind of silly since I never played basketball in high school. I decided that I was going to walk on and then go into the NBA, you know, that dream that every kid has. And so I went and actually made the basketball team, which is pretty exciting. But when I joined the basketball team, I was only one of three freshmen that happened to be on the team. Two of them had been recruited by the school. One was from Avery County, who ended up being a really good friend of mine, and the other was from Florida. This guy hated my guts. I don't know why he hated my guts. Uh, I wasn't ugly to him or anything like that, but I think he felt a little threatened by me, which I'm really not sure why. But I'll never forget, on one occasion, we were playing a conference game, And we were getting crushed, absolutely crushed, which meant I got to play. It meant he got to play too. And um, so we get into the game together, and and we're probably playing for about the last five minutes of the game. And he's a point guard, I'm a shooting guard, and I'm wide open for the shot. I mean, wide open. All you got to do is pass me the ball. And guess what? He wouldn't pass me the ball. We played for five minutes, and he never passed me the ball now he would be taking shots that were contested and people in his face and we've been missing them throwing up all kinds of bricks 
but he wouldn't pass me the ball. So as you can imagine, after the game, we had a little conversation. And I went to him and I asked him, why didn't you pass me the ball during the game? I was wide open. And this is how he responded to me. I'm not going to have a walk-on outscore me this season. Seriously? By the way, I did outscore him that season, even though he didn't pass me the ball. But the weird thing about that was we were playing on the same team. We were on the same team. He treated me like I was a rival. And not only that, he treated me like I was less than because I didn't earn a scholarship and I wasn't recruited. See, I find that being the outsider can be tough no matter what age you are because unfortunately there are people who always think that they're a little bit better than you. And sometimes they can just be mean and intentionally treat you badly. And anyone who's found themselves on the outside can certainly relate to what I'm talking about. As we continue our sermon series today on what it means to be in Christ, the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about this too. But before we jump into his letter and to the Galatians, I would like for us to take a look at the outsider that we've read about in the book of Acts. His name was Cornelius, and he was a Gentile Roman soldier. And according to Luke, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, Cornelius, while he was praying, received a vision from God, and an angel spoke directly to him. And he told him to send some of his men to Joppa to find a guy by the name of Peter. And so Cornelius did as he was told. Meanwhile, the very next day, Peter happens to be hanging out on the roof of his house, which I highly do not recommend. Very dangerous, by the way. And he was up there praying, waiting on lunch to be made. And while he was praying, he too had a vision from God that disturbed him. You see, in his vision, he saw this large sheet full of unclean animals, you know, pigs and reptiles and all these kinds of birds that they were forbidden to touch or to eat as Jews. And the sheep came down from heaven, and then as he saw all of these animals, he heard a voice say to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Of course, Peter knew that he was forbidden to do such a thing, and doing so would go against the law of the Lord. And so Peter refused to do what was asked of him. And then he heard another voice speak to him and say, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. And then the sheet that had come down from heaven went back into heaven. So while Peter was trying to figure out what this vision meant and make sense of everything, these men from Cornelius show up to his home. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and tells them that these men have come to his house and that he is to go with them back to Caesarea. So Peter does as the Spirit leads, and he travels with the men back to Cornelius' home. Now, Peter, being a good Jewish man and lover of the Lord, he knows the law of the Lord well, and he knows that he is forbidden to enter into the home of a Gentile, but his vision has given him a new outlook. So he tells Cornelius, his family, and his close friends who are all gathered there waiting for Peter to arrive, 
he says to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Peter then says that his eyes have been opened. That God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And in that moment, he begins to share with them about Jesus, because that's what Peter was sent to do, was to tell them about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection and the forgiveness of sins that we have in Christ. And as he begins to do this, the Holy Spirit begins to stir, not just with Peter and the Jews that had come with him, the Spirit filled the Gentiles in that room. And those who were with Peter began to acknowledge it because these Gentiles began to speak in tongues and praise God. They were astonished. And seeing this, Peter ordered Cornelius and his whole household to be baptized. Now, I have to tell you, this is a radical, radical turning point in the life of Peter, but also for the Jewish Christians. You see, in Jesus' day, you were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. It was one or the other. The Jews knew God's promise of salvation was for them. And they believed that the Gentiles were not included in that promise. To them, the Gentiles were unclean pagans who defied the morals of their God. They worshipped any God, and some of them many gods. They knew that God had told them to remain separate from them, and to distinguish themselves by living into God's law, which claimed them as God's very own and gave them a distinction from the rest of the world. And so they treated the Gentiles like the new kid at school. They only interacted when they had to, and they would never include them or invite them into their homes. You see, the covenant of God, the promise of God that he had given to the Israelites, it was for members only. But Jesus, Jesus turns this notion on its head. And while his ministry was primarily limited to the Jews, Jesus commands his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, after he's resurrected from the dead and before he ascends into heaven, he gives them what we know as the Great Commission. And he tells them to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded them. But this is what Jesus does. He says to go into all the nations, and the Greek word for nations is the word for Gentiles. It's a direct order from Jesus. And so this vision that Peter receives from God is a confirmation of God's intent through Christ. In fact, according to Paul, it was God's plan all along even before Christ, through a man named Abraham. In Galatians, Paul says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Did you catch that? 
Paul tells them that simply being descendants of Abraham is not what includes you in the family of faith. He argues, actually, that Abraham was declared righteous by God not because he followed the law. You see, Abraham didn't actually have the law. The law didn't come until Moses showed up on the scene and God gave him the commandments. He was declared righteous by God because he believed God. He had faith. And that faith led him to trust God in his life. And so what Paul is saying is that the Spirit of God is not given to those who follow the law, which is what the Jews have been accustomed to doing, but from having faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Therefore, anyone who has faith in Jesus is an heir of Abraham's promise. As Paul says, Father Abraham has many sons and many daughters, and they're not all born natural Israelites. And because of our faith in Jesus, we are all children of God. Amen? So this means that our truest identity is found in Christ and not in anything else that would distinguish us from one another. Our baptism marks us and gives us new clothes, clothes that we can all afford because it's a free gift. You see, in the church, particularly in the Presbyterian church, this particular story in Acts is kind of an important story because in our church, many of you will bring your children to be baptized. And we believe that when Cornelius was baptized in his close relatives and his whole household, that there were children involved in that who would have been baptized that day when the Spirit came upon them. We do that here in the Presbyterian Church. But we also baptize those who profess faith in Jesus Christ for the first time as a, as a symbol and sign that they have been marked by God and claimed by God and they have claimed God for themselves. And in doing so, when we are baptized, we put on Christ. We're marked as God's children. And as I tell our little ones when we do baptisms, this is God's Sharpie marker. You may not see it visibly on your foreheads or on your heads, but you belong to God permanently because of what God has done for you. What does this mean? What well, means that we are not supposed to live as the world lives. It means that we are supposed to see people differently. But we live in a world and in a society that is fixated on making distinctions between people based on race, social class, and gender. Truth be told, we tend to separate ourselves when it comes to so many things, don't we? You see, segregation was a real issue during the civil rights movement, but it seems to me like our country is reverting to its old ways we see the tension today between blacks and whites, and most recently we see anti-Semitic hatred hurled at the Jewish community. Race divides too many people who refuse to see each other as children of the same God. The political divide is painful to watch as Democrats and Republicans and Independents and Libertarians and you name it all distance themselves from one another and they point fingers at each other and say, you're the problem with this country. Rather than working together for the benefit of the nation, they have decided that there's no middle ground anymore. It's all about what's best for me and for my party. Politics divide too many people who refuse to see each other as children of the same God. 
Who would have ever thought that a virus, that a virus, that COVID would segregate people from one another? And it's affected the church, and I don't mean just our church, I mean the church in general, because it's led a lot of Christians to leave their church home and their church family for greener pastures. And it's led some people to leave the church altogether. Rather than working through our disagreements, we just leave in silence. A virus divides too many people who refuse to see each other as children of the same God. Materialism. Materialism distinguishes between the haves and the have-nots. And our society separates itself from those who live in gated communities, from those who live in Section 8 housing, or in more impoverished neighborhoods. And so zoning is a way in which we can keep each other separated from one another, but we can also separate ourselves socially, refusing to speak or associate with anyone who's not like us. Materialism divides too many people who refuse to see each other as children of the same God. And you'd think in the year 2022 that gender wouldn't be an issue of division, but our society still struggles with equity when it comes to pay or even hiring women to serve in high executive profile positions in our country. Believe it or not, even the Presbyterian Church USA has a problem with that. Because we say that we believe that women should be ordained. And so we ordain them as deacons and elders and even as ministers of word and sacrament. But many churches refuse to bring a woman to be their pastor in their congregation. Gender equality divides too many people who refuse to see each other as children of the same God. Here's the interesting thing about our story today in Acts. Peter and Cornelius both had conversion moments when they met one another. Cornelius came to know Jesus as Lord, as an outsider into the faith. And Peter came to realize that Christ has transcended all barriers that we place upon one another. That God accepts everyone who fears him and does what is right. And Paul, he takes that and he runs with it. And he reminds us of who we are in Christ, that we are God's children, not because we're deserving of it or because we've somehow earned his favor, but because he loves all of us, everyone. You see, sometimes even the church can be cruel. We can forget who we are and whose we are. We can somehow think that we've earned our spot and that others haven't. We can justify who's deserving of God's grace and who's not. We can put up barriers rather than tearing them down. And we can treat others actually as the new kid on the block when they enter into our church. They're not just like us. Like Peter, we too need to hear the voice of God say to us, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. You see, in Christ, there's no superiority over another. There are no barriers that separate us. And there is no distinction between race, class, and gender. In Jesus Christ, we are all one. We are all on the same team. 
We are all children of God. And our faith unites us as one body. Our baptism unites us as one people belonging to God. And our uniqueness and our distinctiveness is also representative of the Holy Trinity, of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, yet who are all one. And we're called to be united as the church of Jesus Christ is one. You know, this was Jesus' last prayer before he was crucified. If you read the Gospel of John, John chapter 17, you will find a prayer that Jesus prays before he goes to the cross. And this is what he says. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Did you catch that? That was Christ's prayer for us. That we would be one as God is one. And the truth is, is that we're all on the same team. Just so y'all know, it's really important. So are the Baptists, the Methodists, the Episcopalians, non-denominational folks. This is tough to hear. Even the Catholics. We're all on the same team. We're all part of the same body. Even those around the world from every tribe and from every race. And our call is to live in Christ because we're all children of God through faith. And in baptism, we all wear the same clothes, for we are clothed in Christ. Thus, you and I, we are to be one as God is one. Not dividing ourselves or choosing to be separated from anyone for whatever reason we think justifies it. Instead, we are to bear witness to the one who transcends all barriers, the one who created every single one of us, and to testify to the good news that all who believe in Christ are also children of God. So today, like Peter and like Paul, may we treat those on the outside with the same love of Christ as those here on the inside so that everyone might know the great mercy and love and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, we are called to be one as God is one, for we are all children of the same God. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.